What is the big deal about this week for Christians? Why is this strange parade with hosannas and palm branches a big deal? And why does it all go wrong so quickly? Hi, my name is Stuart and I'm the minister here at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm so glad you've chosen to join us. As always, we'd love to hear from you, so if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, then leave a comment. If you have any thoughts, questions or prayer requests, then please let us know. Today is what we call Palm Sunday, the last Sunday of the season of Lent and the start of Holy Week, where we follow Jesus to his crucifixion and beyond. This week we'll be posting reflections each evening in all the usual places, and on Thursday at 7.30 we'll join in Zoom for a service during which we'll share communion. Joining details are on the screen, or on our Facebook page and on the website. Anyone is welcome to join us, but you have to supply your own bread and wine. There will also be a recorded version of this service for people who can't join us in person. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we will again celebrate communion as part of a recorded service, so have some bread and wine or a suitable alternative ready. In the church grounds, you can journey the way of the cross, thanks to Anne and Douglas Thompson. We're glad to be able to welcome you to St Ninian's Church and our garden this Holy Week. When you arrive, you will find that there are 10 stations that lead us through the journey with Jesus from Palm Sunday to the cross. Each of the cards has a reading, part of that journey. We start at Palm Sunday, and you'll notice as we come towards the bottom of each of the cards that there's a strange black square. It's called a QR code, and a QR code is a link on the internet. So you scan it with the camera from your smartphone and then it takes you to YouTube and it'll play you an appropriate hymn if you want it to. We'd like you to enjoy the space and the quiet and the beauty of the garden as you journey with Jesus in this holy week. You'll find on the gates that there are yellow ribbons. We'd invite you to take one, to tie it to the gate as a prayer for someone or something that you're thankful for or that you miss. As you journey through this Holy Week towards Easter, we wish you every blessing from everyone here at St Ninian's. Donkeys at dawn, Messiahs on a mission, palm branches propelled, crowds crying, people parading, Jerusalem jousting, disciples departing, gateway giving way, Hosanna's being hurled, A salvo of shouts and a king in a coat starts the slippery slope that ends the enterprise of Hosanna headlines with a cross and crucifixion when the words weary and the silence descends and there's nothing left to say. Welcome to the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning. Our reading today comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bathage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, 
Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Amen. back with Mark's story this week, back to the brief descriptions and the urgency of the story, back to the tension between the kingdom of God and the empire where all the powers gather in opposition. It all seemed to be going so well. 
The crowd is travelling with Jesus towards Jerusalem. There's a sense of anticipation. That, that feeling you get as you walk towards a stadium for a final or, or for a gig. Remember those days? The excitement as the fans mill around outside. The clicking of the turnstiles and the echo of songs. That first view of the pitch as you emerge from the stairs. The colours of the opposing fans. The shouts as the buzz of the crowd is interrupted as drums beat and songs start. Even the smell sticks with you. Cut final smell of smoke from flares mixed with the beefy aroma of Bovril. It's in those moments that hope lives. All those possibilities yet to be realised or to be dashed. Of course, if you're an Aki's fan, you'll have to take my word for it, but it's true. That's what it's like. As the crowds come towards the last village before the city, Jesus sends a couple of his followers to borrow a donkey. And when they walk up and just take it, the local neighbourhood watch asks, what are you doing? As for Jesus, well, that's okay then. That always makes me laugh. Two guys basically carjacking a donkey. And because it's for Jesus, well, that's okay. But that tells us something, doesn't it? The people know who Jesus is. He's been there before. His friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus live around here in Bethany. People know him and they know his reputation. It's lead up to Passover, so all kinds of people would be travelling to Jerusalem for the festival. People would mostly be walking, but the occasional wealthy or important people would be there on the road in their horses or camels with their entourage. And one of them would be the Roman governor, Pilate. Pilate had a palace in Jerusalem, but that's not where he lived. He spent most of his time in Caesarea Maritima by the coast, where the weather was more bearable and, and there was space. He was only in the city because the Passover was a celebration of a time when a bunch of slaves escaped their oppressors. And as the latest in a long line of oppressors, the Roman governor knew that Passover was always going to be one of those times when tensions ran high and revolution was in the air. He would ride in, as the empire always does, in a procession. A procession that was really a show of force. Horses and armour and lots and lots of soldiers. People would be forced to move aside, held back by swords and spears as the emperor's representative looked down on his subjects as they, I'm pretty sure, would let Pilate know just how they felt. In complete contrast, here comes Jesus on a colt. It's not even a full-sized donkey. And people are singing joyfully, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. A while back we asked, a while back we heard Jesus ask his disciples, who do the people say that I am? They thought maybe he was Moses or Elijah or John the Baptist. It's Peter who blurts out he's the Messiah and Jesus tells him to be quiet, not to tell anyone. And that seems really strange, because he is the Messiah, so why not tell everyone? This is why. Not the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, but that's fine. It's the David's new kingdom stuff. That's the problem. The Messiah was supposed to restore the line of King David and free the people from oppression. The Messiah would be a warrior who would lead the revolution. But the people aren't tooled up for a fight. They're waving branches. 
Maybe they actually do understand who Jesus is. Maybe they finally get it. Maybe they see that violence just leads to more violence. So for now at least, it's all good. Hosannas and palm branches and smiling faces. But the parade stops at the city walls. Everyone knows that for a revolution to work, you have to control the capital. You have to be in charge of the significant buildings. But the crowd don't get beyond the gates. The city was busy, teeming with Passover revelers. Why did they all feel the need to come and welcome Jesus? We were hoping for once to keep a low profile. Tired of attracting big crowds wherever we went with Jesus, we thought at least we'd have a quiet Passover. We thought everyone would be too busy with their own family preparations to take notice of ours. It was also time that Jesus got out of the limelight. We could tell already that the authorities didn't like it. They were getting really antsy. And it wasn't just Jesus, though he kept attracting unwelcome attention. But all the people, it seemed, were getting pretty feisty and the authorities were just getting nervous, clamping down on the most minor infractions. Definitely not the time to be processing into the city, even on a donkey. It was only a matter of time before a ban would be imposed on public gatherings. Demonstrations would be outlawed. The kinds of things that had been breaking out everywhere recently. So we'd hoped to enter the city quietly. To keep it below the radar. But before we got anywhere near, we could hear the shouts of the crowd. Not angry insurrectionist shouts, but shouts of revellers out for a picnic. Maybe... Maybe they were hoping for miracles, a healing or two, or to be fed some more of those amazing stories that Jesus seemed to make up as he went along. Whatever they came looking for, they were not disappointed. There was Jesus, seemingly innocuous, riding on a donkey. But the people saw it as something different altogether. They always seemed to read into everything that Jesus did. They saw the mockery, even subversion, to the political era of oppression. Why was it Jesus they flocked to? Why turn their attention on him? Surely that day, the people signed his death warrant as surely as if they had shouted, crucify him. Then he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple and when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. That's a strange end to the day. But the looking around Jesus does in the temple isn't sightseeing. It's a kind of looking around where someone stands in the middle of a room and glares their way around, meeting every single pair of eyes, staring at everyone who's been whispering and plotting and planning to get them. It's the kind of looking that is more of a challenge. What? Something to say? Yeah, I didn't think so. The scene is set. 
the events of this darkest of weeks have been put into motion and there's nothing that can stop them now. Something has changed in the air. There's some noise lacking. A cityscape of sound, people living and still selling, children calling, deals being done. In the noise, silence has broken out. It's like something in the city is holding its breath. Like the heartbeat at the centre, pausing for a moment, hesitating. This was the silence before. When the heartbeat paused, sensing something has changed. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for Jesus, who humbly entered Jerusalem on a colt, the symbol to the people, that he came in peace and as a servant king. Lord Jesus, you came to save us all, just not in the way people expect. Lord Jesus, we still need your saving presence and help today. We offer our prayers for our fragile, broken world. Save us from our selfish desires. Give us a heart to share what we have and to give without expecting something in return. Save us from our greed. Help us to live simply and sustainably. Save us from wars and all forms of violence. Teach us peace and how to keep peace with everyone. Save us from poverty and all that it brings to its people. Help us to find ways to ensure that everyone has enough to supply their daily needs. Save us from corruption in all its forms and help us to name it and challenge it when we see it. Save us from ourselves. Help us to see beyond our needs, to the needs of everyone, and to use our gifts to help all people. Guide us ever forward, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen.
Both out this week, this journey from light into darkness and back to light, our faith means nothing. There can be no resurrection if there is no crucifixion. There's no eternal life if God's Son does not die. There can be no forgiveness if there is no wrong done. This is Holy Week and it is everything. They meet in an upper room before Passover and Jesus starts getting all strange. He washes the disciples' feet, an astonishing act of humility. Without this moment, there is no gospel. Without this moment, there is nothing to say about anything that can be believed. No doctrine can do this. No creed can make this happen. This is gospel. To love one another. And there's nothing more to be said. Love one another. Only this and this alone makes sense this week. Words hold power only because they describe an idea. Symbols, though, are something else. Bread, his body broken. And wine, his new promise. And then there's Judas. He slips out. Sent by Jesus to do what has to be done. Out in the garden, Jesus prays. He prays so hard that he sweats blood. Take it away. Take it away, please God, not me. But I'll do what you want me to do. Your will be done. Judas returns with the temple guards. There's a fight and a healing, and all of a sudden Jesus is alone with the guards. All of his disciples have deserted him. Jesus has been here and gone. The echo of betrayal still lingers. The darkness seems a little darker here. There's a gap in the darkness where the Son of Light once prayed. A crease in the air, like a warped lens through which we can see what fear has done. And ghosts of the past have come to shape our present. The kiss has been given, and still the ripples distort the scene. For the son of humanity has been betrayed. This may be the first, but it's not the last. The path is now certain. The powers that be have chosen their way, chosen how to complete this story. And Jesus has been stolen from us. And yet, my friends, with all that you can believe, conspire with the light, torn from his now yet crumpled somewhere, ready to rise again. Conspire to believe that this turning of events is not the way that love intends to leave things. The trial's a joke. Even Pilate can't see what Jesus has done, but the religious people convince him that Jesus is trouble. So they hand him over to the Roman soldiers, 
who whip him and put a crown of thorns in his head and a purple robe on his back. King of the Jews. And they lead him to Skull Hill and they nail him to a cross and they leave him there to die. It's almost Sabbath by the time Jesus yells, it is finished. Hope has gone. There'll be no miracle on Friday. Just despair and pain and grief. There's a hole now in faith and the colour seeps from the image. Even the sky turns towards monochrome. Birdsong moves from stereo to tin and eventually fades altogether. The colours are silent, sound abandoned. And over this empty background, one phrase is enough to fill those thousand years with piercing clarity. Lama Sabachthani. And empties the memory of what grey in colour there still is. Now, when all light is gone, the darkness is complete. Not even shape is left, just a hole. This, this is faith. Enough. Enough, it is finished. <laughs>